Thank you for joining us today for the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. My name is George Mays, and with me is Jay Jones, and this is Free for All Friday. It is. It is Free for All Friday. And I've been working all week, George, on this sermon coming up, buddy. Well, that's. Uh, I'm sure that our uh, congregation will be happy to know that you've been up here working on your sermon, Jay. Yep. That's good. It's <laughs> good to know. <laughs> But in addition, yeah, I've you've been, been working hard on that thing, haven't I've you? I've been uh, delving into the supernatural. Have realm. you been going down the rabbit hole? I've been going down so many rabbit holes, man. There's so many things that aren't going to make into this sermon. Well, don't uh, don't don't run anything. Don't spoil the surprise. Don't spoil anything. All right. The you tr- could give us the you give us the title of the sermon. The title of the sermon is "The Truth Is Out There." Okay. So the kids from the '90s, yeah, they'll know what that means. Yeah, others won't. They have. They won't have any. Clue. The truth is out there. <laughs> Are you looking forward to this one, Jay? This is a good sermon. Have you for, been? Uh, have you been really looking forward to this? I have because um, I think it's one of those things where it, it demonstrates once again the Bible is sufficient for all things. For all, for all things, it might. It, this one might will make a good bonus text driven. Should we do a text driven? I think we'll need to talk about it next week after the sermon. We might have to do a text driven on this one. Yep. Next week. So I I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. You're as looking well. forward to it as well. Yes. I, I hope I don't disappoint you. We'll see. Well, um what do we got today? A couple different things to talk about, kind of related to uh yeah, I mean the the uh, stuff. yeah the Southern Baptist Convention was held last week, and uh, we we've talked about it a little bit with the uh, election of Ed Litton as the new president, right? And uh, talked a little bit just about our experiences within the SBC and and where we where we see the SBC and and kind of where we're uh, where we're leaning in terms of staying or leaving. Yeah, um, yeah. So I encourage you to go back and listen to last week's uh, free-for-all, but... Uh, a few people reached out about that. They, they said they really appreciated the episode. Okay. Even though literally all we did was get in here and re- hit record and start, <laughs> right. start talking. <laughs> it doesn't take much to yeah. get us uh, talking about the SBC. But they just appreciated it because they said, you know, we've had similar, seen similar things, similar concerns. And, you know, I think the SBC as an ideal is a great, is a great thing. Mm-hmm. Um the uh, the ideal is we all cooperate right. small and even small churches for missions. That's the main the main goal. Yeah, and that's great. Um, but like most good things, they get too big. Like um, too big, you get big, you get inefficient bureaucracies, uh, and anything that's run by man I, is bound to have flaws. Yeah, and I think that is maybe the. I think that maybe is the the biggest weakness. I think that's the Achilles heel of the of the SBC is it's gotten so big over its what 150 yeah. years. The structure, the structure of right. It. right. Yeah. Uh like you said the bureaucracy, there's committees, um there's so many committees and task, you know, task forces and it's gotten so big um and it's gotten so political. I mean, they said it over and over again, right? The world is watching. Mm-hmm. Why is the world watching? Uh, is the world watching the? Is the world wa- going to be watching the PCA? You know, Presbytery, 
that's taking place probably not but this week this week or next week yeah probably not because the sbc is so big and it's got the ethics and religious liberties commission right like that's the political arm of the sbc these resolutions they make an impact right um ed Litton, he's already been on what cnn yeah. msnbc he's probably been on fox i mean he's, he's already being interviewed he's he, you know he's he's out there right um articles what, are already written about right it, yeah. but when when a, an organization is so big and there are millions upon millions of dollars that go through this organization and it's political and and What's that going to attract? What kind of people is that going to attract? Um, it's probably not going to attract the the small church pastor that just wants to be faithful to shepherd his flock. Right. Right. It's going to attract political minded people. Uh-huh. And that's exactly what it has done. Yeah. It's attracted political minded people. Um I mean, we we could say a lot of good things and negative things about Al Mohler one thing that is very clear is that he could be a politician. Mm. I mean, if he, he could run for office uh, and I'd probably vote for him because I think that he's, I think he's a brilliant guy. Uh, I think he, he understands, you know, what's going on in the world, mm-hmm. uh, but it's, it's politics, right? Right. And uh, so it's going to attract political minded people. And those are not the people who are super interested in, the health of just the local church right and i I think that's the uh maybe the that that, and that's going to invite liberalism and i mean you've got to you got to save face and i think one of the issues that we're going to be talking about has to do with saving face Mm -hmm. yeah Um, and so i I think that's the i think that maybe is the biggest issue with the sbc right now is is that it's just so big i i think that it should probably split it may even need to be divided into quarters right um to make it smaller so that it there is more accountability there is more um efficiency efficiency right the 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 local pastors will have more of a say less overhead cuz yeah. like we talked about yeah. last time so much of the money stays uh-huh. yeah. within the uh yeah. the the structure right. right the uh the the human resources structure absorbs a tremendous amount of money yeah um you're going to have more transparency. One of the things that should be super obvious to anyone that watched the the convention is that the people on stage are the ones who control everything. Yeah, they're the ones who allow you to speak, and they can shut off your mic. Mm-hmm. They can they can rule you out of order. They're the ones that set the agenda, and they're the ones that can, um, you know, make sure that a resolution is passed or not passed. <laughs> Another, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that in just a second. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so I I think the, and I think that the reason people don't want to see it split is because they think, well, we're, we're big. And so we have all this money and so we can do all this stuff. But I think that the bigger it gets, the less, uh, less efficient we're going to be. We're not going to be, um, putting out as high a quality of missionaries and, uh, and theologians. Um, I, I don't know. So if, one, if they're super interested in that, I don't know if that's one of their high priorities is making sure that our theology is spot on. Well, that's one thing I want to do before we like before I say I'm done, done. And there's no hope. Yeah. Um, 
Because I do like the the mission stuff, mm-hmm. and so I know someone who just got commissioned. Yeah. Sol- he's a solid guy. He's not like a yes man type guy, and he's good. He's solid theologically. So I'm interested to know what was what's his training and what will be his training going forward. And yeah. particular, what are his peers like? That's mm-hmm. what I'm most interested in. What are the what is the group of people that are wanting to do what you do, which is be an international missionary? What is that group like? You know what I mean? Yeah, I, because um, you can still give directly to right. IMB I, um, and bypass I, everything. I was gonna, I was gonna look for this um, before we started. I, I forgot to do it, but I believe that uh, either a letter or an email has been leaked from IMB that shows that they're um, trying to push some CRT stuff really on their uh, the international missionaries. And I listened to one guy um, this past week that said that. Pretty soon, we'll, we we aren't going to be sending out missionaries. We're going to be sending out anthropologists, um, just because of the mm. direction of the the leadership, the trajectory. Yeah, mm. yeah. So well, uh, again, I'm I don't want to rehash last week's, but yeah. again, I, I don't have a whole lot of faith in the leadership, and I think the best thing that could happen is for it to split and um, form two new entities, or three, or four. Uh, so that we can be more efficient and hands-on yeah. with the missions that you know we're we're so uh, the missionaries are so separated from the church. Who's holding these missionaries accountable for their theology? Yeah, it's not us. Well, let's be honest, man. Like if you get online and listen to twenty different SBC uh, guys, even in Oklahoma, you're probably going to find out that uh, there are a ton of churches where theology is not even an important thing. Right. Yeah. There's some crazy stuff. Like, uh, we probably we probably to to uh, show clips of this and review this. I listened to a sermon from Falls Creek here in Oklahoma. That's the gigantic youth, the gigantic youth event. I think it's the biggest yeah. youth event in America, actually. Right. So this guy, and he's a pastor in Oklahoma. He legit preached from the end of Romans eight, which the end of Romans eight is all about security in Christ, you know, what shall separate us from the love of God in Christ. And he lists all these things. There's nothing, right? But he 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 preached the sermon as that applies to everyone universally. Everyone, even non-believers. Yeah. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Um you can separate yourself from his presence by rejecting him, right? Mm. So the whole thing that applies only to uh, and literally, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? That's right. That's how it starts. Right. <laughs> um, that is explained away to where everyone is the elect, and God loves everyone the same way. It's it was it's ter- it's terrible, man. And uh, of course, was I surprised? Not really, but um, this doesn't change the fact that I know this is the reality in a lot of places, right? Yeah. Like, this wasn't an 18-year-old who's preaching to other kids. <laughs> this is a regular pastor uh, who's who's literally made the text mean the exact opposite of what it means. So if that's the reality of a lot of our pastors, yeah. And th- what I tell people that, there are two different SBCs, right? There's the SBC that's around the seminaries mm-hmm. and the entities. Right. Those are probably pretty solid. 
for the most part. I mean, we'd say they're ortho, everything's probably orthodox. You know, I, I think liberalism is a stretch to say it's infiltrating a lot mm-hmm. of stuff. Pragmatism is the problem, yeah. and wanting to reach everyone and and keep a good appearance because yeah. we think that'll help us to reach people. And I think there's also some uh, charismatic influence and in a lot of things that go on. But there are two different SBCs. There's the SBC around the seminaries, and I'd say within a 100-mile radius probably of those seminaries and all the churches there. Once you get outside of that, mm-hmm. you get into it's, a different world. It is a different world. <laughs> you get into a completely different world. Yeah, you're right. So Okay, so this brings us to the first topic that I wanted to talk about today, which is Resolution 1. So there's a list of resolutions. Okay. Uh, some of them are brought from the floor to be considered, but some come from the Committee on Resolutions. Yeah. So all this happened, in case you're listening, you're like, why didn't you guys talk about this last Friday? Well, we recorded last Friday kind of at the beginning of the convention. When, yeah. It was like Wednesday. Yeah. So all this stuff happened afterward. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is uh, on Baptist unity and maintaining our public witness. Um, we've talked about this. I don't know if we talked about it on air, but we've talked about it in private that the elite don't like social media. Right. <laughs> they don't like Twitter. Yeah. Because they're, they're, um, it, it, Al Mohler has said this, that, you know, Southern Baptist, it looks like there's a lot of issues, but we usually can get them settled when we meet face to face behind closed doors. Right. right? When we're in the same room, I think is what uh-huh. you, you hear this kind of rhetoric. When we when we get in the same room, um, we can we can hash this out. Right. Well, the problem is no one's getting in the same room with Al Mohler. Mm-hmm. Like you and I are not going to meet face to face with Al Mohler, right? Or JD Greer or Ed Litton. Like we're not going to get. Yeah. In, but Twitter, you just type in their handle, right? Uh huh. And you can have direct contact with them and it shows up it sh- it shows up right it, it, and uh, you can't you can't avoid it you can't ignore it mm. well they don't they don't really like that right um and there's uh, not everyone handles themselves well in social media especially twitter i would say that right. that's much of a much of it's accessible oh yeah man, right? for sure that's so, why i'm barely on it like people oh, yeah. people look at my twitter they're probably like is this guy a pastor well most because <laughs> most stuff i do on twitter is like baseball yeah and that's on purpose because I don't want my life bombarded with <laughs> right. cancerous Twitter wars. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, resolution one on Baptist unity and maintaining our public witness. And let me just read the resolution. It's as as resolutions go. It's not very long. Um, and then I want to go back to one of the paragraphs. Okay. All right. Whereas the scriptures charge the church to walk worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Whereas the scriptures likewise command the church to be like-minded and sympathetic, love one another and be compassionate and humble. And whereas our utmost devotion and supreme allegiance, including but not limited to political, cultural, ethical, and societal allegiance should be to the kingdom of God and not the kingdom of men, whereas the church's mission as defined by the Great Commission is to spread the gospel and make disciples of all nations, language groups, and ethnicities, whereas the Christian's public witness is of utmost importance for the sake of Christ and his gospel, now therefore be it resolved that the messengers to the Southern Baptist Convention meeting in Nashville, Tennessee, June 15th and 16th, 2021, pursue holiness 
Act with the aim of love, engage others with charity, and consider one another in how we represent ourselves, our churches, our convention, and above all, the gospel of Jesus Christ in our speech and conduct at all times and in all places. And be it further resolved that we will not permit our personal, social, theological, or political interests to supersede the urgency of evangelism and distract us from the task of the gospel's advancement through the whole world. And be it further resolved that we exhibit Christ-honoring patience and kindness upon those with whom we disagree. And be it finally Finally, resolve that we protect the witness of Jesus Christ before a watching world by wise use of all forms of communication, whether in verbal speech, written word, or social media, so that others may see Christ in us and desire to know him personally. Mm-hmm. Okay, so because of these, the, the commands of Scripture that we walk in unity and, and walk in love, uh, be it resolved that we do those things, that we be obedient, right? Uh, but I want to just hone in on uh, this uh, this one paragraph, okay? Because I I think that it highlights a problem. Yes, yeah, it it makes clear an issue. Yeah, resolved that we will not permit our personal, social, theological, or political interest to supersede the urgency of evangelism and distract us from the task of the gospel's advancement through the whole world. Mm-hmm. All right. I got a problem with that. Yeah. And I, I wish more people <laughs> at the convention had a problem with that. And there actually was a, there actually was an amendment that was, uh, that was mentioned to, right. uh, to, to kind of shore up this language, but it didn't get passed. They, they tried to amend it to say secondary theological mm-hmm. issues? Yes. Okay. Which I think I could have gotten on board with that one. They could have put secondary or tertiary. Yeah, they're not. Yeah. So what it says is we won't permit our theological interest to supersede the urgency of evangelism. Right. Um, and that, that kind of sums up the attitude of the SBC. Yeah. Evangelism trumps everything. Uh-huh. Um, we are, they, they even want to change. Some people don't even call it the Southern Baptist Convention anymore. They call it the Great Commission Baptist. Right. Um, they, they want to be Great Commission above everything else. Well, again, even that move is more of a pragmatic move. Yes. Because of the, the uh, kind of the, the name is tainted. <laughs> right. Southern Baptist. Yes. So no matter how many resolutions we pass. Apologizing for apologizing our past. For right. The past. Yeah. Um, they want to they want to get rid of the name and that's more it's a more of a pragmatic approach and yeah you know what it, that's that's not a super big deal to me because mm-hmm. i i joined later but there are people who grew up in it and they're like attached to the name i don't know why i don't i you know? I, I don't care about it being called southern baptist um i don't really like it called being called great commission baptist because right. i think again that highlights the problem Right. That it's evangelism trumps everything else. And I think it just leans into the fact that if a number is not attached to it... Hey, the other Baptists might be like, hey, what, what are we? All right. <laughs> We're not about a Great Commission? <laughs> did you know that there's some people that don't even know what the Great Commission is? Yeah, I did. Because that's that, that language is not in the Bible. Right. Like It doesn't say, and Jesus sent them out with this Great Commission. That's that's just a, a, you know, a, a heading in Bibles. Um, so there's some people that you say great commission. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> I didn't know that until a couple of years ago. Uh, but I think it, again, it leans into the fact that you know we it, the pragmatism 
Like yeah. we've we've got to get the baptisms. They're always lamenting baptisms are down, well, this, churches are closing. That it's all it's always about numbers. It's never about health. And I think that this I think this paragraph is exactly is is exactly why we're not going to let our theology get in the way of our evangelism right. as if they're opposed to one another. Right. And I I like the amendment. We're not going to let secondary or tertiary issues get in the way. But as it stands, it reads as if evangelism and theology they are they can be at odds with each other and if our theology gets in the way of evangelism we know which one is going to get jettisoned right it's not going to be the one that gets us numbers right it's going to be the theology and that's exactly what we see we see we see the this anemic theology in the southern baptist convention well like i said about the youth pastor message right this is the theme i think that's connecting all that what we're talking about today, even though we didn't plan it. Again, it comes back to um, what will work or what will make us better at reaching the world. And it starts with a, uh, I think it starts with a faulty uh, beginning, this faulty theology at the beginning that um, people are more easily one if we are able to uh, soften things culturally. Right. Right. We'll, we, and we'll definitely get into some of that here in a bit. Yeah. Or if we do things the right way and there's a, a, a certain experience, people will be saved. I mean, it, it permeates the SBC. Mm-hmm. Um, so, of course, the False Creek stuff, I would object massively to that message. I would say, yeah. It. I mean, if we're honest, I think it's a sin to twist God's word in mm-hmm. such a manner. Right. Um, but it'll be justified to say, don't you know that uh, there were eight hundred decisions that <laughs> right. that evening at that message? Uh-huh. There were eight hundred kids that made decisions. Yeah. And like six hundred rededications, because there's always six hundred. You know, there's always. So who, so who cares if he if he got the the interpretation of the scripture wrong because it got the it got right. the results that we were looking for. Right. Yeah. And and it, and you know it when we. Ca- it, it plays into a lot of other things. I mean, I was totally shocked to hear it admitted. It was a larger church in Kansas City. It was, uh, when I was in seminary, it was like worship class. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had to have a class on just worship. Yeah. Well, this guy was the worship leader, and he talked about the end of their service. And he said, yes, we dim the lights. <laughs> we play, you know, this type of music. Uh-huh. And we give a different uh, uh, repetitive type of invitation mm-hmm. and he and he literally said I couldn't believe it the the type of honesty because we we think or, or we're trying to manipulate people into accepting Christ hmm. it was the most honest moment I think I've ever heard from someone who holds to that particular wow. type of theology because they really do think if the mood is set just right mm-hmm. and we do certain things in, in a certain way, it will provoke a uh, a more of a open response for people to come and uh, and accept Christ. And so, you know, you just look here in Oklahoma. I think if you ran the numbers, the most of the baptisms in Oklahoma are probably youth and children, and they're driven by False Creek and Vacation Bible School. Yeah, right. So that's the evangelism part of that clause. Uh, who was it? Was it was it Mark Dever that said that we in our practice were pedo baptist? Yeah. <laughs> mm. 
No, for real. Yeah. And it's the theology that's driving that, uh -huh. right? And, and I'm not saying they don't have... They, they actually have great intentions. Yeah. Like, they actually believe they're doing the right thing. Right. Um, but we can't let theology get in the way of stopping that. Right. That, and that's kind of what was in the resolution, mm -hmm. where I think there is a divide, there's a major split where we would say, look, do you not see how this is driving massive uh, church unhealth? Like, false false conversions. There's false conversions, mm -hmm. uh, people holding to a false sense of security. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, uh, many, some people do are legitimately saved. Yeah. I would say that's despite what goes on. Right. God saves and regenerates. Yeah. Um, but there are a lot of people, I mean, mm -hmm. anyone that's ministered here has to has has to acknowledge the reality. Yeah, that churches uh, are filled with people who um, don't give any any evidence that they are converted. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> and there are people in the surrounding communities that will say, "Well, I was saved at False Creek," mm -hmm. and you're like, "Well, where? <laughs> right? Where do you go to church? I haven't gone to church in twenty years." Yeah. So the right? so let's see. It's what is what's today? June twenty fourth. All right, so we've got another month or so, and the Baptist message will come out with its numbers. Right. Every year, uh -huh. you got the numbers of those who were saved at Falls Creek, those who rededicated their lives, those who surrendered to the ministry. And they're going to say, look, this was great. We've had thousands of conversions, thousands. Well, they won't say conversions. Let's say decisions. Decisions. Thousands of decisions. You cannot keep blowing smoke <laughs> saying, look at all these decisions for Christ, and then the next week lament the fact that our churches are unhealthy and they're dying, mm -hmm. and where are the baptisms? I don't know. Maybe something is wrong with our evangelism tactics. Right? Maybe these people aren't actually making a decision for Christ. Maybe they're making a decision because you dimmed the lights and you played the you know you played the emotion driven music, right. and you had someone up there, you know. Um, pleading with them and manipulating them to come forward, and they actually have people come forward yeah. that are strategically placed to right. give the impression that people are coming forward. Yeah, we need we need our counselors to come forward. Right. Well, where are they coming from? They're yeah. coming from the same place that the kids are, and so now you don't have that peer pressure, right? And, and you don't, many have, of the you don't have that. You don't have that. Um, that anxiety. I'm going to be the only one. Right. Um, you've got other people that you can go with. Um, yeah. So we've got we've this idea that our theology can't get in the way of evangelism is just going to result in faulty evangelism. Mm -hmm. Evangelism has to be the the top. It's got it. That has to be the most important thing. What we're seeing is we've got. We we so let's I mean we're gonna pick on him because um, he deserves to be picked on I think in this regard you you've got the new president of the SBC mm. he's pastor of a big church pastors are supposed to be the theologian of the church right like he's supposed to know his Bible inside and out and be able to to communicate theological um, topics and and doctrine he, he's supposed to be the guy you can go to and i i have a question can you explain this to me you've got his church website we talked about this last week right their doctrine of god describing god as as three parts the 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 father the son the spirit are three parts of god mm -hmm. 
three parts. People said, oh, they changed it as soon as, you know, as soon as it was pointed out. They didn't change anything. They just deleted it. They just took that sentence off. Well, we talked about that. It was Wednesday when we recorded it. Uh By maybe like six hours later, it was changed. Yeah, it was gone. Because someone got up to a microphone. Okay. When he was nominated really? and objected, okay, because and they read what was on the website. <laughs> Did you know that? I didn't. Yeah, and so uh, right after that, he got he got taken off. You've got him preaching sermons with his wife. You can look at these clips. She says we're preaching this sermon. Um, I talked to someone that was there who holds to our position, and kind of what he said was everyone else that was on board with him was saying. What we object to, I mean, we did a whole episode on this. Mm-hmm. Go back and listen to it. It's called uh, "Women Pastors in the SBC?" Question uh-huh. mark. Uh, but they were all saying, "Look, she's under his authority, <laughs> right?" So it's just it's justified. She's he's the uh-huh. el- the pastor, the elder, yeah, the senior pastor. That's important too. And uh, she's <laughs> there talking, uh-huh. yeah, under his authority. So it's okay. And I don't, I don't see that in the scripture. Like, where does it say that it's that? Right, where, right. where's that asterisk where Paul says, "I don't permit a woman to teach her whole authority over a man, except if she's under the authority of you know some senior elder." <laughs> under her, <laughs> there's no, her, yeah, yeah. The the exception that they keep throwing out there is not there. Um, his his excuse is that well, I was doing a a series on marriage and the family, and I don't have all the answers, so I needed my I wanted my wife up there to help me, and there's a problem right there. Like he doesn't even understand what preaching is. Right. We who cares about Ed Litton's opinion? Right. Who cares about his wife's opinion on this? The pastor is not supposed to get up there and have all the answers based on his own experience or his own wisdom, his own knowledge, his own education. He's supposed to get up there and open the Bible and say, "Thus says the Lord." Mm-hmm. This is what God says about marriage and family. Again, if you if you will do this, if you will listen and obey, you'll be blessed. You'll have a, a healthy family. You'll have a healthy marriage, but um, they're undermining the sufficiency of Scripture by these kind of yeah. methodologies. But again, it's the theology right. is not there. It, so their their pragmatism, their their practice is driving their theology, not the other yes. way around. And we're going to look at a clip from him in just a second. But uh, you had something you're going to say, and then I was going to I was going to point something out. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say that. Uh, it, this is the 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 connector that connects all of these is it's justified because that's what will work yeah that's what the people want like the people will really like it yeah. especially the women if i bring if my wife is up here with me the women are more likely to listen to this right yeah. that's what drives a lot of that and again good intentions right doesn't ma- that that doesn't make something right right Especially when God has told us so clearly on right pretty much everything we're talking about, um, my good intentions don't justify me doing something that God has said right we are not to do, and the ends don't justify the means right right yeah so yeah well I, uh, I you know i'm I'm always going to be um praising our church. We're not a perfect church um because <laughs> We're the elders, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's always going to be flaws and weaknesses, um, but I will say that I think that our church has its priorities correct. So what I have in front of me is uh, this is 
elder questionnaire that the elders have to the elder candidates have to fill out before yeah. they can become they can even be considered all the elders will then read your responses uh-huh. so that you, it, it takes right. the place of sitting and having a five hour discussion right we give yeah instead of being grilled face to face you have time yeah. to you know write out your responses and then we um, and then we get together face to face and go over now i i was uh, i was the special one cuz i i was exempted from this yeah. when we merged <laughs> but uh there's uh, there's 14 14 areas here there's probably what 50 questions somewhere yeah. around there there's, yeah there's probably 10 each question yeah um and um the the point is that we're we want our elders to be theologically accurate right we're we're not going to have an elder that says the father the son the spirit are three parts of god right right um so we've got things like uh define and defend the doctrine of the authority of scripture defend and uh define and defend the doctrine of inerrancy of scripture sufficiency of scripture um you know what's the relationship between the old and new testament there's questions related to the the character and nature of god his his attributes um describe the doctrine of the trinity like would ed Litton have been able to answer that question uh you know satisfactory satisfactory to to us right i mean <laughs> so there's there's stuff about god uh stuff about the bible Things about uh, the doctrine of man, the person and work of Christ, salvation. redemption, salvation, yeah, salvation, um, the church, yeah. Um, so there's all these uh, eschatology. So the the point is, theology is not it's not a peripheral thing, right? Like it's not it's not something that we can just say, well, you know, this guy's a great evangelist. Maybe he doesn't have all his, you know. I's dotted and T's crossed theologically, but you know he'll get there. But look at how God's using him, right? Isn't that how, isn't that how they phrase it? Right. <laughs> this is where we've. That's how we've gotten to where we are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because of things like this. Yeah. We're not going to let our theological interests get in the way of the primacy of evangelism. At no point in church history has have these two been laid apart from each other right um our our theology has to it drives us to evangelism if, yeah. if you're if you're not if your theology is is not leading you to evangelize then something's gone wrong with your of uh, with your theology but if your evangelism has no nothing to do with your theology then uh your your evangelism is going to be suspect i think yeah this is why i like john piper's book let the nations be glad because when he starts that book, it creates a total paradigm shift in your mind. Yeah, and he says, "Look, you know, we don't do missions and evangelism like that's not our primary mission in this world and goal of the church. That's mm-hmm. not it. Yeah, like we don't do missions for mission's sake or evangelism because there's lost people. Right. The main goal of all of this is we do missions and evangelism because there are places on this earth and people on this earth not worshiping God. Right. And God is worthy of all glory, honor, and worship. What is it? The, fir- the first line of the book is, missions exist because worship doesn't? Yes, missions but... exist because worship does not. Yeah. God deserves the worship of the nations. Right. And so we go, so that people... But again, theology's got to drive that. Yeah. Right? Right. 
And so it's just a, a big difference. So where do we want to go here? Well, do we want to look at the theology of Ed Litton, where his, where his lack of theology has led him? We've got a clip. Let's, let's do it last. You want to do it last? Let's go resolu- the next resolution. You want to do the next resolution? Yeah. Okay, well, we want to talk a little bit about the, uh, the resolution to um, abolish abortion. Right, yeah. I'm going to bring this picture up to you and get it ready. Okay. So there, uh, there was a resolution that was passed. I'm trying to find the exact name of it. I thought I had it, but for some reason it is eluding me. Uh, but this is on the uh, this is on the. Let's see if I can find it here. Um, on abolishing abortion, so they they just labeled it as on abolishing abortion, and uh, we we've talked about abolition on here before, so uh, we we don't have to go back through that. But what this what this resolution um, calls for is a rejection of the incremental approach to uh you know the pro-life movement we've got to have all these these incremental um bills and laws the heartbeat bill um you know partial the ban on partial birth abortions things like that uh this resolution it calls for rejection of those those incremental approaches Mm -hmm. and an adoption of the call to um end abortion immediately yes well, there was there was a lot of pushback on that, right? Um, it uh, it almost didn't make it to a vote. Well, the resolutions committee rejected it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's out, outright rejected. So uh, they did uh, some. I don't know the process, the parliamentary <laughs> procedure. Well, they okay. Used. So in 2019, um, an abolitionist tried to make a, a motion to uh-huh. abolish abortion, mm-hmm. to to call for the abolition of abortion. Um, and he was shot down on the bureaucratic nonsense. Like okay. he didn't he didn't word it in a certain way. Uh-huh. Well, they his motion was incorrect. I guess so. Out of order, or out whatever of order, they whatever say. they. I mean, whatever, whatever excuse they want. They have use. lawyers behind them. You know, they that? do. Yeah, they and do. The lawyers will be like, yeah, and they'll come back with some explanation as to why they can't do it. Yeah. So this year they they did their due diligence and they worded it as a resolution and um they presented it in a timely fashion they got they got signatures and they brought it and they still tried to shoot it down yeah uh one of the guys on stage he said we we already have you know pro-life resolutions we don't need another one right all the while they i'm surprised they didn't have another resolution on apologizing for you know the the founders of right the Southern Baptist Convention owning slaves. How many times have they apologized for that? Yeah, but we already have we already have a pro life. They had resolution. one on. It was geared toward the Hyde Amendment, right? Uh huh. Um, right. Which is tax pay. It, it, the Hyde Amendment prohibits taxpayer money going to fund mm-hmm. abortions. Yeah. So, and um, Biden wants to do away with it, right? Um, so anyway, uh, Bill Askell and some others they spoke out um, for this resolution, and the the messengers they wanted it heard. Okay, um, so heard the resolution. Um, they made a uh, they had to make a slight amendment to it that said that we um, where is it. Uh, we 
uh, we will not embrace an incremental approach alone to ending abortion, which kind of undermines the entire intent of it. But the uh, all the abolitionists that had a hand in in writing it, like Dusty, um, they they didn't seem like they were too bothered by it because mm-hmm. the rest of the language is so strong right. um, in it, abolition that 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 one word isn't going to make a huge difference, and yeah. it it also is furthering the conversation I, th- I think that maybe is the the biggest victory is now there are people that are actually starting to to talk about yeah they're having the conversation now uh-huh. it the uh it's been interesting to see this uh play out and watch both sides because what it does is uh that word the addition like one side ce- celebrates it as a victory they'll say oh well the the word addition what we got it to do is to say that incremental approaches alone so so it's open now for incrementalism right and the other side is saying it doesn't do anything because uh all of the rest of the resolves yeah. specifically go. <laughs> right so and no one and no one is talking about that that <laughs> amendment they're all talking about right. the fact that this is a this is a call for the abolition right of abortion uh-huh. uh but uh denny burke who is the? I think he's the president of the um, Council of Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. Okay, like he's a he's a solid guy. He's a conservative. Um, him and and a bunch of other ethics professors from all right. the seminaries they penned this article called "Why We Opposed an Anti-Abortion Resolution at the Southern Baptist Convention." Mm-hmm. And this is just one of a plethora of articles that I've run across of people that said, this is a bad move. This is throwing the pro-life movement under the bus. We, we're we solidly pro-life, and these abolitionists, they're trying to just do away with all of this. Um, and his two, the two reasons that they give is that there's no, uh, there's no exception for the life of the mother. We've talked about this before. Yeah. And I think this is, I think this is, maybe the worst reason to oppose an abolition right uh bill because there is a distinction between a a problem pregnancy where there's health risk and trying to say both of them but the baby doesn't survive right and walking into a planned parenthood and allowing a doctor to crush the skull of a baby yeah yeah so that and and what you have to remember is as long as in all of these laws you have that exemption clause, mm-hmm. like doctors are not honest. Yeah. So I mean, there are honest doctors, but there are a lot of dishonest doctors. Right. Um, there's a documentary you can watch about the opioid epidemic. It'll make you think twice about the ethics of doctors today because, I mean, they put money ahead of people's health all the time. And doctors will, all they have to do is say the mother is at risk. Yeah. Right. They just say mother's at risk, and they'll perform, they'll perform an abortion. They'll go forward with it. But mm-hmm. the reality is, in today's world, there exists no scenario right. where a doctor has to say make that choice. Yeah, um, I, I've seen numerous doctors state this. Uh, they've been in practice for years, 30, 40 years. They say I've, there's never a scenario where a doctor must make that choice. Mm-hmm. I've got to purposefully kill this baby in right. order to save the mom. The one that's always thrown out is ectopic pregnancies. Mm-hmm. So in an ectopic pregnancy, the um, the fertilized baby, the baby 
would normally move down the fallopian tube and plant right. into the uterine lining where it will begin to grow. Mm-hmm. Well, we live in a fallen world. Things don't always work that way, and sometimes they'll implant in the fallopian tube. Yeah. And if it goes on, it become can become dangerous. Mm-hmm. The fallopian tube can could burst. Mother could die. Now, even in that scenario, um, what the doctor does is is a, is a medical triage, mm-hmm. right? So, a doctor who then would have to remove a woman's fallopian tube, which would end that pregnancy, is not guilty of murder, right? What do you, right? And that is in that is in all of this. What what it's asking for is equal protection under the law. Yeah. And so, just as in the case of if a woman uh, were to be involved in the murder of a small child, let's say a a three-year-old, there are different scenarios, right, that could play out. One, this woman, under premeditated murder and hatred for her child, killed her child. Another scenario is an abusive man mm-hmm. applied so much pressure and mental abuse to this woman right. that he coerced her into murdering or killing her child, mm-hmm. right? And those two scenarios are different, and the law looks at them differently. Right. And and it's already on the books. All of this is already, already established. On, it's already established. It's already, it's already established. Um, and the, the woman wouldn't be treated the same way. Yeah. So if you have a young girl who's been the victim of sexual abuse... Right. And she's taken to an abortion clinic, and they kill her baby. She's not going to be tried as a murderer like right. the man who took her there and the doctor who did it. Yeah. All that this is asking for is equal protection mm-hmm. so that the legal process could then play out like it would for a six-month-old baby, yep. right? Or a even a 24 our old baby or a 10 month old baby right a 10 month or a, or not even that a 10 minute old, old baby right. 10 minutes cuz there are mm-hmm. you know women who right. will have their baby and then throw them away yep. there are laws all, already dealing with all of this stuff yeah you can you can go onto the the Oklahoma laws and you can see that the only thing that's keeping abortion legal in Oklahoma right this minute are pro life exception laws yeah that's it all of it, these exceptions it, the the, the the definition of murder is already the taking of a, a life, and life has already been defined in Oklahoma as from conception to natural death. Right. It's already there. Right. They're trying the, to change the, the only, language. The though. only thing, the only thing that's keeping abortion legal right now in Oklahoma are pro-life laws that that people are defending. Pro-borts know this too, and that's yep. why they're trying to change the the what it means to conceive. They're trying to change mm-hmm. the to implantation. Oh yeah. So fertilization okay. is um, better. Okay. Right. But when those laws were written, conceived meant fertilization. <laughs> right. Didn't mean implantation. Right. Um. So all all it, all it's doing is asking that you treat a human being, which is what a fertilized. You can't even. What do you, it's not an egg anymore. It's yeah. fer, it's a fertilized embryo. Um, this is a human with its own genetic code. Mm-hmm. Right. Everything that it is is there. Yeah. It just hasn't matured and grown. Um, and so treat every person as a person, as a human being with rights, um, whether they're inside the womb or they're outside. Yeah. That's all. That's all that it's asking for. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So 
that's the the exception the exception for the life of the mother i think it's a foolish argument because if you can't make a distinction between trying to save both lives and maybe failing yeah and willfully taking a life I don't know why I should listen to you on any on any issue if you can't right. make that distinction. That, that those are pretty. That's a pretty big category error right, right there. Uh, but then the the second reason is it's medical trio. If people don't know what medical trio right. is, just a quick explanation. All right, let's say let's say you get into a a, a bad car wreck mm-hmm. and you're you're in the ER and it, you and your child are in the ER and your your child is maimed. Right. Right. The doctor is going to make a split decision to save your life based off of the time and the resources and the equipment that they have and not save you or save your child. That doesn't make the doctor guilty of murder. He's just doing medical triage. And the same thing would happen in these scenarios where they say Mm -hmm. the life of the mother. Um, But again, most doctors will tell you today there's not that scenario. Yeah. So, um, I mean, according to Resolution 1, the Southern Baptist Convention can't even do theological triage, so I'm not yeah. surprised they can't do medical. Uh, but the second reason is that it rejects incrementalism. Mm-hmm. I mean, that <laughs> that's the whole point. That's the whole point of the resolution, so it's kind of redundant for him to say this. But this is their, this is their, this is their you know, they tout their, their pro-life we shouldn't get rid of the incremental approach. Mm-hmm. Um, here's, a, here's a paragraph from this article. It says, uh, th- this is what incrementalism is all about. The ultimate goal is the, goal is the abolition of abortion. So they would say, we've got, we got the same goal that we want to end it. The, but the problem is they don't want to end it they don't want to call for it to be ended immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even if we can't reach that goal today, we are going to take as much ground as we can today and tomorrow and every day until we achieve total victory. That is why the pro-life movement supports incremental steps such as abolishing Roe versus Wade. I don't know how that's going for them. Uh, enacting partial birth abortion bans, which the Democrats don't even want that stuff. Like They, they don't see a baby as a person. Right. At all. Uh, passing parental notification laws, approving heartbeat bills, opening crisis pregnancy centers, which I don't know how that's an incremental right. approach anyway. Um, uh, it, even as abolitionists, I would say crisis pregnancy centers are probably a good thing mm. to help people in need. Uh, and other such measures. None of these measures constitute the complete abolition of abortion, but they do save precious human lives along the way to total abolition. Um, I I just think that this is naive. At best, it's naive. Um, thinking that we're going to get a conservative Supreme Court, which we have right now, that's going to overturn Roe versus Wade. But they, what? Where is it? Right. Where, where are they even talking about overturning Roe versus Wade? Even if Roe versus Wade gets overturned, the states. What about the states? The states will. The states all are still. The states are still going to have it legal. Oklahoma. We've talked about this before. The most pro-life state in the union, Oklahoma. If Roe versus Wade was overturned right this second. Abortion would still be perfectly legal mm-hmm. in Oklahoma right. because of pro-life bills. Um, 
So then the state uh, of Oklahoma I, would have to go through the process right. of undoing all undoing of Undoing all of them. All, all of the pro-life laws, again, they, they tell you when you may do it. Yeah. When and how it may right. be done. You um, still would have to abolish abortion still in each in individual state. Right. Um, but you know what the, the big problem I have with this is? Mm. Do you know what that paragraph sounds like? What? It sounds like politics. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Here's what politics, here, here's the politics of abolishing abortion looks like. Right. And we're, we're going to follow this tactic of incrementalism. My, my problem with the SBC is I do not want to be a part of a political institution. I want to be a part of a religious institution. Uh-huh. And what this what this bill is saying, this this resolution does not abolish abortion. Right. This resolution is calling on Southern Baptists to simply stand up and be the church and say God says do not murder, abortion is murder. Right. And so we're calling on this nation to stop murdering babies. Why why is there so much pushback against this? And we've talked about it. I think a lot. The world it, is watching, right? The world's watching. It comes down to, pra- to to the pragmatism, um, and we know this because of another resolution that was passed. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the this is what's the cra- resolution. This is what's crazy about this whole thing. This resolution. Yeah, the other resolution Ca- calling on, f- on the Uyghur genocide, calling for immediatism, calling for immediate, <laughs> calling for an immediate yeah. end. To the genocide of the Uyghur people, we resolved that we strongly urge the United States government to continue to take concrete actions with respect to the People's Republic of China to bring an end to the genocide of the Uyghur people and work to secure their humane treatment, immediate release from re-education camps, and religious freedom. Why can they call for the immediate end of the genocide of the Uyghur people, but they can't call for the immediate end of abortion in america and i think the reason is that they said the they said the quiet part out loud over and right. over again yeah the world's watching. the world is watching yeah it's not it's it, not it's this is not the the resolution about the the uyghurs that's not going to cost the sbc anything right right they're not going to lose any face right but if they call for the abolition of abortion they're going to lose face it's going to actually cost them something yeah and when you think of, just think about it, okay, they believe there's a genocide going on, so they call for immediate abolition of um, slavery. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. It's modern day slavery right. of the of these Uyghur people in China. Immediate abolition of slavery and stop <laughs> killing them immediately. Yeah. <laughs> and they're calling for it outright. Uh-huh. And there's a genocide going on. Yeah. It it's almost like they don't believe there's a genocide going on in our own country. Yeah. Like they don't really believe. They talk about the incremental approach is actually saving lives today. Uh-huh. But they're not they're not really acting like these are real people. Right. How Whereas many, you've got this resolution with the Uyghur people. They're acting like they're, they're real acting people. They're acting like they're real people. So yeah. so end it all right now. You've yeah. got to end it now. Right. Not there. Same urgency is not is not there. Right. For this. Yeah. Uh and I think the position and what's what's difficult for people what happens on this in, in, in these two sides is the one side, the pro the pro uh, life side, we'll say, when they first are kind of confronted with this, they get really offended, right? And they think, well, you don't really think that I want to see this happen. Like, look at the effort and the things that mm-hmm. we've done, and so it becomes right. this. There's a lack of charity. Yeah, uh, and then sometimes on the other side, there is a lack of charity. Right. There's a lot of bombs thrown. 
uh, they'll drop bombs on the other side. Mm -hmm. um, and and so there's... I, I believe that Denny Burke and the, the people that signed this letter, they actually do want to see abortion ended. Right. I, love believes all things, right? Mm -hmm. I want to believe the best of my brothers who are against um, the abolition approach. But right. <laughs> at the same time, where is the urgency? How are we calling for the immediate release of the Uyghur people, but we're not calling for the immediate release of all these babies that are being butchered by Planned Parenthood? And that's not even dealing with the Plan B, the the morning after pill. Right. That's it's that's not it's not even dealing with there. Uh, the number of abortions, whenever you hear numbers of how many babies are being aborted, that does not take into account all of the the at-home uh, abortion pills. Right. And so the numbers, um, you need to inflate those numbers. Right. Yeah, you've got the, 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 the pill that just can't be bought, mm -hmm. and then you've got the one, the it's like a little ab chemical abortion in a box mm -hmm. that you go home and take these pills, yeah. and, and then... Uh, afterward, you go back and they check you out and make sure everything happened according to how it was supposed to happen. Right. So if you go to an abortion clinic, you'll see these young girls will go in, they'll come out with a little home abortion kit. And all that's happened is you'll pass bills, and until it's total abolition, all they do is find ways right. to continue the practice mm -hmm. and to continue doing it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's this meme. Uh, I don't know if we need to show it, but I mean, we can. Switch it over there. Let's show this meme. <laughs> Memes kind of capture, sometimes they capture things perfectly, don't they? The top is They're the, the political cartoons of our day. They are. There's the top one, you know, uh, immediatism for abolition of human slavery and genocide of the Uyghur people, and then the bottom one, right? Yep. <clears throat> there's a major disconnect here. Yep. And what's going on? Um. Again, I don't doubt. I don't doubt that those approaches, the people have good intents. They want to save as many people as possible. I think the right. question to ask is, what type of? And we've said it before. What type of a law should a Christian be able to sit down and write? Right. Should a Christian be able to sit down and put on paper when and how you may kill a baby yeah. in the womb? Mm -hmm. And I think the the most common sense even if we still use common sense answer would be a christian should never write a bill right that tells people when and how they may kill their baby yeah um it, and again are we a political entity or are we supposed to be the church we're, we're supposed to be the the conscience of the nation right, right? we're not supposed to get behind all these politics and try to find ways to slowly inch towards the goal line, we're called to say, stop murdering your babies. Yeah. That's all we're, that's all we're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. uh, just like the Uyghurs. We're, we're not a political group. We, we can't actually cause China to stop murdering Uyghurs. Right. But we can, as the church, say this is evil um, this is immoral. It is a violation of God's law, and you will be judged for this. Mm -hmm. 
um, repent and stop doing it. Right. That's exactly what we should be doing with abortion. Mm-hmm. And um, the these incremental laws, they they soften it. Mm-hmm. But again, it's it's uh, what we've been talking about. It's the pragmatism that's that's trumping our theology. Our theology of the law of God and the dignity of uh, babies made in the image of God ought to drive us to call for the end, the immediate end of murdering. Right. And some of these things would even deny our theology or deny our doctrine of man. Yeah. Uh, you're not a human until you have a heartbeat. Right. Like, <laughs> right. is that is that really what the Bible says about us? Like, right. So if you, or or you're not a, a human until you feel pain. Yeah. What if you're in a coma and you can't feel pain? Are you not a human anymore? I mean, like all of these things undermine. Yeah. The the Bible's own theology and teaching about what it is to be a human, even so. Yeah. So I, I get tired of seeing this these political maneuverings that are just trying to save face before the world. I just want to see leadership with a backbone and conviction that just call it like the Bible calls it. Right. Um, so, uh, speaking of calling things, well, we're out of time, George. Oh man, you got to at least play it. You got to at least. Play it. Uh, well, we don't, have, we don't have to spend time talking about it. We talked about J.D. Greer. Well, I don't know how much detail we went into it. This clip of him, it would be good for us to deal with it because there's yeah. a, this clip of Ed Litton. Uh-huh. He does the J.D. Greer thing. He says. Uh, you know, we ought to shout about what the Bible shouts mm-hmm. about, whisper what it whispers about. The Bible whispers about yeah. sexual sin. He's right. teaching on homosexuality. Mm-hmm. But also in the same sermon, he says, the term homosexuality is not even in your Bible. Right. That's not going to cause confusion. <laughs> he says, that's the modern vernacular. Uh huh. Well, Paul's vernacular is much more explicit. Uh-huh. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll deal with it next time. Okay. All what right. do you think? A little teaser. Yeah. Okay. Uh, because I think it does it does need it needs to be understood. I mean, okay. you may again, I mean, you know, you may completely disagree. But at least you got to acknowledge yeah. what Paul's doing. And what Paul's doing is making a very very strong case. Um so that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening today. Uh, an hour flew by, George. I did. Didn't even get to get to, get to the last the last one. So thanks for listening. Hopefully, this has been beneficial to you and helpful to you. If it has, please like, subscribe, share, uh, pass along. Maybe write us a review. And as always, we hope that this has helped you to become more conformed to Christ.